Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, hosted by Mark Replacements Advisory Board Chair, L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on all things startups. The Platform Podcast features conversations with founders, operators, and experts tackling a myriad of topics facing the marketplace and sharing economy startup ecosystem. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not professional advice. For specific issues, please seek an appropriate professional or contact us at info at marketplacerisk.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Elle. Hello, and welcome back to the Platform Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Peter Evans, who is Chief Strategy Officer at McFadden Digital, and he's also a new member of our Marketplace Risk Advisory Board. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. Now, Peter, we we actually discussed before we started recording that there were so many different things that I could talk to you about today. And because your knowledge of platforms is so extensive, we, we're going to tune in a little bit, I think, today because we do only have about 20, 25 minutes. And I do really want to get the most out of you. So I really want to tap in to some of your expertise and your knowledge because you've been working in the platform space probably for more than a decade, um, I would say. I'm not putting an age on you, of course, but you do have a lot of experience and you've seen a lot of different stuff evolving in the platform landscape. And I thought we could dig into that for a few minutes and really sort of understand how that is evolving and changing and what's really happened in the last decade or so and obviously there's been the big blip of COVID um, in the midst of it but things have been evolving and changing and so I thought I'd turn the dial back a bit and you know back to maybe as far as the millennium um, and what you know what was happening back then because I know that some of our listeners maybe you know were a bit younger then you and I not so much <laughs> what was happening in the world of platforms at the turn of the millennium yeah so you know I first got into platforms when I was leading strategy um, for General Electric um, and you know my job was to identify new emerging trends and interesting ways to grow the business and I came upon um, the emergence of platforms. This was uh, maybe more than a decade ago. This was back in 2008, mm. nine or so. And that was when some of these uh, platforms that we have come to know so well, like Uber and Airbnb, were just getting started, Amazon as well. And uh, this was kind of this era of the matchmakers, right? The idea of double-sided markets. Um, and it's evolved quite um a bit over the years, right? We've had sort of these waves of of uh, growth, um, emerging uh, startups that have grown into multi billion dollar companies. Um, right, you know, with the sharing economy was one way to think about uh, platforms. The other is the um, penetration of platforms into work, right? And you had the rise of the gig economy with platforms like Upwork and Fiverr which have now become very, very large companies. And then um, we've seen this tremendous globalization of platforms. So platforms are not just a domain of the US and the United and uh, Europe, but um, you find them all over the world now in Africa, in Southeast Asia, in India, uh, China, of course, uh, Korea. So it is truly a global phenomenon and it has impacted many, many, many industries. So 
have had a chance to watch that progression mm-hmm. over the last decade. When people talk to you about your work and, and the definition of platforms, you know, some people find that sort of hard to understand. And I suppose marketplaces, I like to think of them as being a sort of a slice of the, the platform pie. But platforms, I suppose, you, you know, really span the Internet and, and can take all sorts of shapes and forms like, um, you know, gaming platforms or, or social media platforms or even you know, things like, I suppose, search engines, they're platforms as well, aren't they? How do you how, how do you define platforms to people who maybe don't work in this world? Sure. So, you know, there's some key elements to what makes a platform. It's really um, the facilitation of bringing two sides of a market together, right? The buyers and sellers, and then the platform enables that to happen. And they do that by aggregating both supply and demand, uh, enabling discovery and facilitating matching and all the infrastructure that's associated with that, which can be very simple. Um, hey, <laughs> here's a, a listing of something for sale. Here's the buyer and seller. Um, and you just get together and you guys go figure out how to consummate that transaction or increasingly platforms actually provide the underlying payment architecture and many other features like uh, verification of identity and and things of that nature. So we've seen the platforms um, provide lots of services associated with that interaction. But uh, fundamentally, it's about um, bringing different parties together and facilitating exchange. And when did larger companies start to become interested in this phenomenon and when did it stop being that you know because I can imagine at the very beginning it was almost like these crazy internet people what are they doing but when did you start to see that companies actually who already had a bricks and mortar presence would be interested in that type of transformation and actually get you know getting involved in something like that is that something you spotted sure so the you know platforms have been around for a long time. In fact, uh, historians have actually you know shown that uh, you can think of a medieval marketplace as a kind of a platform, right, mm-hmm. where you bring farmers and others together to do exchange. Um, I think the the real transformation that's happened in the last ten to fifteen years has been the rise of the internet and the ability to um, gain scale, right. In, in phenomenal ways, right? So that you can bring parties together very efficiently. And so what do um, what is the value proposition of platforms? Well, they dramatically reduce transaction costs, right? So think again of Airbnb, uh, you go to a city, how do you know where there's an accommodation available? Airbnb uh, is really an information platform. It tells you where those places are and then uh, facilitates the exchange that's possible. They also um, help to build an ecosystem of parties that can that create value that would be outside the traditional boundaries of the firm. So, um, you know, a good example, we use Uber. Um, Uber doesn't own all those cars and employ those drivers directly. They're third parties. And so you can build these tremendous ecosystems. So the internet and, uh, you know, the iPhone, the smartphone, basically put computing in people's hands and connectivity. And that's really what helped 
uh, spur the explosion of platforms. And we've seen it in consumer, um, obviously with um, retail, but in super interesting ways. You know, there are now platforms for dog walking. People need dog walking services. Um, you can connect to people who provide those services through a platform. So that's kind of a, a fun little example of a platform. And then you get into the chemicals area where uh, laboratories need to buy chemicals um, and uh, platforms provide the uh, inventory um, and also location of where those suppliers are and the infrastructure to make those transactions happen through payment systems and things of that nature. So we've seen an explosion of tools to support platforms like um, things like Stripe and other kind of payment mechanisms that have made that very easily. So it's really a convergence of technologies that have come together to enable um, platforms to grow to tremendous scale. So you can think of a platform like LinkedIn now has over 750 million people participating uh, on a platform. So the, the technology to enable uh, tremendous scale is uh, well established now and uh, does you know amazing transformation and, and disruptive to, to industries, existing businesses. But it does sound like, uh, you know, in not without exception here, but in the main part that a lot of this benefit is for the companies themselves um, and, you know, for the users as well. But what about circular platforms? And I know we have touched on this in our previous conversations, but what is the potential here in the future for this platform technology to actually you know, benefit circularity and actually do better than make money and, um, you know, provide a good experience for users? Well, you've, you raise an interesting question, which is, you know, the assumption is, is that platforms are highly disruptive. They've disrupted uh, multiple industries. But when you step back and you look at much more broadly, they actually <laughs> have reinforced existing linear approaches to business. Um Amazon, eBay, Alibaba, um, all of these big consumer retail platforms have just helped to uh, make more efficient, right, existing ways of doing business um, and haven't really addressed um, the issue of, of waste um, and things of that nature. So what's interesting is to explore the potential for platforms to come in and not just um, make the sale and matching more efficient, but also potentially help with um, the reuse, recycling um, of materials so that we get to that more circular economy. And so I think there's actually um, a lot of promise there, and it's an area that I've started to look into more deeply. What Did you find it sort of frustrating that it's almost like taken this long for you know, for platforms to realize that they have this potential because, you know, when you tell it to me like that, it's almost like, it sounds sort of slightly depressing in a way that all it's done is make things, you know, made it so that we can just get stuff more quickly and do the things we want to more easily. I mean, obviously maybe with the exception of, of certain sharing economy platforms, that's generally the case. Is that a bad thing or is it just human nature? Is it just the way things are evolving? Well, now you're getting into the economics of, um, externalities and how externalities are or not um, 
taken into account in how businesses operate. In many cases, um, it isn't cost effective or regulated for businesses to um, take back the material that they sell to their customers. Um, but that's changing, um, and it's changing across multiple industries, both through legislation, but also through expectation and changing uh, sentiment, right? So consumers now um, were quite enamored with things like fast fashion, right? And the ability to get on demand, all the latest fashion and a lot of uh, the apparel industry moved towards um, staying on top of those consumer trends, uh, not to be left behind. Um, and so, the, but that all led to a huge amount of consumption and throwaway, right? And so people are now rethinking that um, and saying, hey, you know, is there another way to do that? And that gets into the fundamental design of the, um, the products that you're producing as well. If you want them to be recycled, sometimes uh, the way that they're produced in the past uh, made it difficult to do that. Right. Um, and so creating the ability for circularity actually takes a lot of different um, components. Um, mm -hmm. And so there's a design, there's um, what, what can be recycled, what can be refined, what can be reduced, what can be repaired and things of that nature. But what's kind of cool is that um, a number of platforms are emerging to begin to um, offer those services. So one example is a company called Swappy. It's a Helsinki-based company, and uh, they um, buy back um, used iPhones, refurbish them, and then resell them. Um, and um, often what you're doing is you're matching a new market. So the the market for used iPhones is different from the market for or the consumers that are interested in buying them the first time around. So it actually can open up new market opportunities. Um, and it's a new source of supply for that market. So the cool thing about platforms is, is that they're quite well, um, you know, that's the core business model is this matching function. So mm -hmm. it's figuring out where the supply is and where the demand is. And you can architect uh, the um, basically the business model and the supporting tech stack to enable those matches to happen. But it's com complex, isn't it? I mean, it's not as simple as, you know, and I can see this is why something like this can take years. It, it's not as simple as sort of saying, well, you, we need to become more circular. Let's kind of use our platform to do that. It's such a, a, a complex thing, isn't it, to find out what parts of the things you're producing you know, can be reused and put back, you know, it, it's, um, I imagine well, for a company who's thinking about these things, it's, um, you, you know, it's uh, not, not exactly just like flicking a switch, is it? No, but um, I think a lot of the attention initially to this idea of circularity was focused on single companies, right? Getting them to think about circularity, but that's very difficult because the 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 um, once a product has been used, they've sold it. They no longer own it. So how do they get it back? They would have to actually buy it back. And do they have a logistic system to do that and whatnot? It's really not their core competency. So I think it's interesting to reframe this circular economy for uh, this question of can platforms come in because that's their sole purpose is to find and aggregate buyers and sellers. Um, in, a, in a marketplace environment. And so circularity 
may not be um, one company reusing its same stuff. It actually may be finding a completely different industry that can can utilize uh, the materials that come off of um, the waste stream of another industry. And platforms can do that kind of um, identification and matching, I think, better and more efficiently than an individual company. So I think reframing what the circular economy can do from a business model, because it has a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. You touched on the word um, before, re-commerce. Talk to me about that and, and the, this sort of, you know, the rise of, of re-commerce, because people are, are really just starting to um, understand this and to, to adopt these types of platforms. What industries have you seen these in and, and what are some examples? Sure. So, um, you know, thrift stores are kind of been around for a long time. <laughs> so they're a form of re-commerce. Um, this is secondhand clothing and, and things of that nature. Um, but the systems to do that um, have become much more sophisticated. And I think um, consumers are more open uh, increasingly to the idea of buying. I think some data I saw recently showed that um, like 30% of consumers in France are open to or have purchased, re, you know, used um, items, either electronics, apparel, or, uh, furniture, things of that nature um, in, in the last year. So um, it changes by country, um, but we are seeing growing trends in terms of demand. Um, and then the question is, is where does that supply come from? And can you find companies that um, are interested in building marketplaces to perform that? Um, and also recognizing the power of platforms to um, establish the, the, both the capabilities as well as the policies. Um, so one good example is a company in Germany called Zalando. It's a marketplace that sells uh, products from over 4,500 brands, including well-known fashion brands like Nike, Adidas, and Calvin Klein. Uh, as well as smaller independent brands, it has been slowly establishing a set of principles that uh, shape how those sellers um, sell on their marketplace. So, for example, they've created a, a fashion hub, which um, it brings together industry experts and innovators to explore new circular business models, and then they promote that on their platform to buyers. Um, they've also promoted more sustainable packaging, and they've also signaled to buyers when something is reused, right, and promote those reuse categories. So there's a lot of things that platforms can do from a design and governance um, aspect that no one company can do, right? So Zalando, as I mentioned, is influencing um, how buyers see more than 4,500 brands. So I think the, the power of the platforms is this aggregation and the variety of brands that you're bringing together uh, in new ways and uh, can drive, I think, um, some pretty interesting innovation that promotes circular type um, approaches to the economy. Mm-hmm. And with the e-commerce platforms, I know that, um, you know, I'm sort of very familiar with maybe more of the sort of consumer end of that. So you mentioned apparel. Obviously, we're seeing a lot um, of these popping up in in the UK as well. You know, the kind of the appetite for it, I think, especially amongst sort of Gen Z 
um, is being matched by certainly more and more startups um, emerging in this space food as well um you know we're, we're all becoming a bit more familiar with some of the ways that um apps and platforms can help us to to solve that wastage problem but what about sort of behind the scenes um you know i'm talking sort of in industry this type of thing H how is it more complex there or are you seeing an, an appetite for you know in industry as well Sure. You know, one area that's super interesting that most people don't think about, but it actually, <laughs> they're, they're engaging and using it almost every single day is uh, lubricants. Um, so lubricants are essential for uh, the functioning of automobiles, buses, trucks, and machinery in factories and things of that nature. What's interesting is, is that, uh, for example, Europe consumes 19% of the world's lubricant demand. So that's about 6.8 million tons of lubricants every year. Wow. Um, those lubricants can potentially be reused, right? If you um, collect them, uh, you can filter them and reprocess them. And in some instances, send them back through the refining process. And uh, they, they come out um, if it's high quality uh, and there's not too much contamination, um, they can be um, just as good as the virgin oils. And they have a much lower carbon footprint. Um, the issue, of course, is, is that um, there aren't, there is no right now platform that matches the supply and demand uh, for used lubricants. There are companies that go out and collect these. It's a pretty fragmented industry right now. Um, so there could be a very interesting opportunity to create a European-wide platform that would um, collect and reprocess lubricants. Um, and that would um, both help the environment because often used lubricants end up being burned, which is not a good thing for mm -hmm. climate change, um, or they end up in uh, landfills and other uh, areas that contaminate groundwater and things of that nature. So there's tremendous uh, value in doing this. And the European Union has put in place policies that help promote lubricants. What we need now is um, businesses to come in and create a platform that would better facilitate um, and do the things that platforms do really well, which is reduce transaction costs, reduce friction, uh, enhance matching, and uh, get that commerce system going. And as I mentioned, that flywheel, right? Yeah. That uh, platforms are really good at generating. Imagine if we created a flywheel for uh, used lubricants in Europe. It would be it would be tremendous. Um, well, there's a business idea for somebody listening. I mean, or maybe you and I could do that, you know, because <laughs> we've got time. No, um, touching on flywheels there, I know that's a word that a lot of our listeners will be familiar with. Um, but, you know, just to, to, to talk about that maybe in the context of this, um, you know, not yet happened lubricants platform, how would that work exactly? Because, you know, how does the, the, the flywheel affect come into play to make a platform successful? Sure. So, um, you know, one of the things that happens is, is that uh, companies go out and, and uh, find, uh, develop and, uh, you know, collect and produce lubricants in refineries. And then that gets distributed out to all the vehicles and all the factories. 
it then has to be recollected. So one area that <clears throat> could potentially be an interesting platform is a logistics um, platform for lubricants. And we're seeing logistics really uh, explode in terms of investment and innovation on the consumer side, right? With um, the rise of just on-demand last mile. <laughs> so you need to do something like that. Um, there are already companies, um, smaller companies that do the collection, but it'd be interesting to um, potentially aggregate them into a matching market that could serve all of um, a continent, right? Like Europe, um, because the platform uh, owner or sponsor would be able to see where there's excess or uh, where there's shortages and so better be able to match supply and demand, um, create efficiencies that don't exist. So logistics would be one uh, critical area. Another area is around testing, right? You want to make sure that uh, the used lubricants, when they've been reprocessed, are of good quality. You don't want to put bad product into a car or other piece of machinery. So the platform could also provide testing services to ensure the integrity and quality of that uh, reused uh, products. And so lots of value that uh, can be delivered by a platform to enable these markets to uh, grow. And then presumably that improves the customer experience and then that generates traffic and, and it all just starts to sort of, you know. Yeah, and the, the more, um, you know, uh, opportunities there are to buy and sell that, in, that induces um, more supply, uh, which, you know, can be uh, it, it, generates more demand and also the the other surrounding services right a lot of uh, platforms um, that have grown in large scale and size um, it, it attract third parties that create new tools that make the platforms even more valuable so that becomes part of the flywheel as well yeah, that's amazing, Peter. It's my brain is exploding with the with the potential <laughs> of all this, and you know, if we can get platforms working for circularity, you know, there's a chance that, um, yeah, we might might save this planet. So, um, yeah, it's really inspiring stuff. Stuff. So, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm sorry to have to to cut you short, but maybe we can have a, a part two sometime. Yeah, I'd love to do that. It's been great to uh, participate and uh, share some some insights. Thanks, Peter. And hopefully um, we can see you at some of our in-person or virtual events during the year. And, and um, we appreciate you being part of the advisory board. So thanks again for coming on the podcast today. Sure thing. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast. Be sure to check us out at marketplacerisk.com for information and resources to help startups launch, grow, and succeed. And follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk to stay up to date on all of our conferences, summits, virtual events, and more.